0: Okay, what I'd like to uh, discuss uh, today a little bit is the matter of the Urim the Tumin. In order to discuss the Urim the we have to be somewhat aware of what the Big Day Kuhuna, what the Big Day Kuhuna looked like. Uh, a little bit. So you know that Perik Kav is devoted here it says Perek and here in this Chumash it says Perek which is odd but in, in any event, this Perik that describes the Big Day Kuhuna describes them at great at great length and detail uh, how the Kohen Gadol looked when he went to the Beit Hamikdash uh, and uh, B'nai Yisrael B'nai Israel in the desert are directed by Moshe Rabbeinu to make these bigadim. To make these bigadim. Now, no one here has ever seen the bigadim, I imagine. However, there is in the old city a center called Machona Mikdash, <coughs> which uh, is a very high-tech operation. And they have computers, and you press buttons, and you could see things. Now, in fact, the Machon HaMikdash has a website. And you could see all of those things on the website at home. Now, I have no idea what would happen if Aaron HaKohen went to the Machon HaMikdash. Right? And they told Aaron HaKohen that this were his clothes. Uh, he might say, great, you know, this is wonderful. And he might say, I've been clothing all my life. I've never seen anything like these, uh, uh, this clothes. So you have to understand, when you try to recreate something physical from the words of Rashi or the words in the Gemara, there's a Gemara in Yuba that discusses this parasha, it's not an easy thing to do. And even though it's true that the visual uh, um, manifestation of Big Bang Kahuna makes it easier for us to understand, we still might be totally off. Now, uh, this is important to remember. This is important to remember because, you know, there's a difference between theories and real. And even if the theories work out to be very close to the real there's no way for us to know that there's no way for us to know that so what we know first of all is what the Chumash says and what the Chumash says is that the uh, bigadim of the Kohen were made out of certain materials and they divided up into a number of different bigadim and those bigadim are not really described in the Chumash at all, but they refer to in the Chumash, and we know today, we know today, but we just assume that these um, that these things are unknown to us. But let's look at the Psukim and see where the difficulties lie. I'm reading the Psukim. Okay. Bring them to become kohanim. Aaron, adavi Aviu, alazavi tamar b'nei Aaron. They are the kohanim. Remember, until this point, it's possible to say that Moshe Rabbeinu was the kohanim. He was the one who acted as the intermediary between God and B'nei Yisrael. But now that the Mishkan is being built in the desert, they're going to be real kohanim. Real, I mean, permanent job. Their permanent job is going to be kohanim. And they are the family of Aaron, the brother of Moshe Rabbeinu. Pasuk Bet says, Vasit Day Kodesh The word kodesh, the word kodesh is, is like the word designated. They are, you're going to make clothes that have a designation. Right? You can only use them for one purpose. But you can't, uh, then, you know, when they get worn out, you can't say, you know, I'll give them to my friend or something. You can't do that. Bla'e, big day kohan, they were used for certain things. You could make wicks for the menorah out of them. But you couldn't just give them away to somebody else when they got worn out. So that's called big day kadesh la and then you have these words, lechavod ulatif aret. So you know the words, words like that, words like that, we tend to make believe that we understand them. But if you think about it, you probably don't understand it. And the people who did think about it, like, you know, a very Kabbalist, for example, who are very concerned about what kavod might mean and what tiferet might mean, they, they actually dealt with it for about 1,500 years, right? You know, they just kept talking about kavod and tiferet. So if you're a Misnagid if you're a Misnagid you say, well, just look at Rashi, whatever Rashi says. But if you're a chassid or a kabbalist, you might say, wow, you know, like the words are just sparkling there in the chumash. And they're hard to understand. But those of you who are interested in an explanation of kavod and tiferet, which goes beyond the kind of literal explanation, should take a look at the Ramban in this pasuk. Right, the Ramban is, well, is a very important Ramban, and he has something to say. V'atat edaber am kol chachmelev. Chachmelev are people who are artisans. We call them artisans. People who have talent, who are able to do things. You know, an artisan does things that... I think I mentioned to you there are the things that anybody else thinks he could also do until he tries to do it and then it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't work out but you know like uh, people working gold and silver and people who know how to to work on a loom like you know all, all of these things are really look simple but don't are not as simple as they looked and not as simple as they looked now there's a list in the Torah of the begadim Choshen we'll get to that what the Choshen is then the Eifod is like the Hebrew or the Hebrew modern Hebrew Rashi says it Afood is an Afudah I don't know exactly what an Afudah is I think in the Hebrew modern Hebrew they call a vest an Afudah but you can have an afu daf for girls, for women, and an afu for men. I guess they're not exactly the same. Uh, so anyway, it's that kind of a thing. It, it, like it, you wear it on top of something. I, I don't know. So 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 uh, so Rashi says it's a waistcoat. what? It's a waistcoat. Where I come from, there weren't yeah. any waistcoats. <laughs> Nary a waistcoat in all of Brooklyn. You know. Uh. <laughs> I don't know what a race coat is, but Rashi says that it's a sinar. Now, it's, that's the problem. The problem with uh, with words is you think you know what they mean. So we call a sinar an apron. Right now, an apron is what you take off when you get dressed. But here, according to Rashi, it would be that's what the Cohen put on when he was getting dressed. So he so had these problems. He had these problems, as I said. Uh, there are very good pictures in the website of the Mahana HaMikdash outstanding pictures, colored, beautiful, and uh, they even have um, um, artists who draw caricatures of the Kohanim themselves. The way they do it is they, they make them look like dolls right, in order to avoid making uh, graven or ungraven images. So they, they look like they're made out of plastic Whoever drew that, did that. So you have the koshen and the afod the mi'il. Again, some kind of a coat, whatever that means, you know, whatever. It was, we don't know the real. We're just reading words. Well ketonet. Ketonet. Ketonet is a, a, a night shirt. Is that a ketonet? Could it be? Or a shirt, a long shirt? you're you're like very definitive about what these things are I I guess I'm the only one that doesn't know it doesn't know what these things mean now Mitznefet is some kind of a hat I don't think it's the kind of hat that uh, the yeshiva guys wear today I think it's that kind of hat but I don't know what kind of hat it is a Mitznefet you know today today um they call a hat with a brim, like, a, like against the sun. Like, a okay, avnate. Avnate we can handle generally. An avnate is a, a belt. Right? But of course, anything could be a belt. You know, a rope could be a belt. A girdle could be a belt. A leather belt could be a belt. I'm sure that throughout the ages, you know, different people wore different kinds of belts. But the word avnate has to have a belt. So you have a chosen, you have an ephode, you have a meal. Tashbait has something a word that describes how it was made. Tashbeits, in modern Hebrew, Tashbaites is a crossword puzzle. So I says if you look at a crossword puzzle before you fill it in, that's what Tashbaites is. It looks like that. I mean, I'm just saying that. I'm just guessing, right? Don't don't think if I say something that I know what I'm saying. I definitely don't. And these are the ingredients that I use to make the Big Day Kahuna. The gold... The royal purple, the tchalek. Argaman. Well one of them is royal and one of them is not so royal. What is argaman? That's purple. 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 That's hmm. Okay. And what's royal purple? In Hebrew? That's well, so where everybody says that. The tsitzes were made. That's why that's why the Romans forbade the Jews from making on the tzitzis, because only royalty was allowed to have purple, and it was uh, it was insulting insult- to the Romans that every single Jew was running around with purple threads, you know, coming out of his beged. So then you have you have psukim that tell us about. Vasu et ha'ifod Right, that's Pasuk Vav <coughs> And then Cheshe v'afu d'ato Pasuk Chet Like to to figure it out with In other words the, the Pasuk says Make an ephod And this is what you use But obviously the, uh, Whoever was making it Must have known What the end product Is supposed to look like because the Torah doesn't tell him what the end product uh, looks. like. I guess Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu had these magazines, you know, French, um, French uh, 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 kind of, whatever they call that, oat something. Well, yeah, that's good. So, he had these magazines, he turned the magazines, and he said, this is what it should look like. And they made it. Or, I don't know how else, with the menorah, you know, there was certain kailim, not bigadim, but there was certain kailim that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know exactly how to make. And he had to turn to heaven to ask that Kodesh Bach to show him how to make it. Like, which kailim? The menorah? What? So Moshe Rabbeinu didn't, so God showed him a fiery menorah. And then Moshe Rabbeinu knew how to do it. But even when it comes to the menorah, for example, we don't know really how it looked. We we don't know how the menorah looked. We know that the menorah had seven kanin. Right, there were seven lights that came out of the menorah. Right, three and three, and one in the middle. That's how the menorah was made. But uh, such an essential uh, uh, um, um, fact, like was the, were the legs of the menorah round or triangular? We don't know. I mean, you may have noticed that on Hanukkah, when the Chabadna came run around and light menorahs in all sorts of odd places, the menorahs they light are triangular the reason for that is because the Rebbe said so now the reason that the Rebbe said so was that it appears in the Xaviad of the Mishnah Torah the Xaviad of the Rambav's Mishnah Torah there is a picture of the menorah drawn in this triangular man- manner but again who knows if the person who drew it meant to say this is the way it was in the Beit Hamidrash, triangular, or he just was easier for him to draw straight lines, than to, buy, to draw curved lines. I mean, we don't know. We would like to know. We also don't know what the base of the menorah looked like. Whether the base of the menorah had like legs. There were, you know, it could be, you know, can imagine a base with like nice furniture. Furniture usually has legs because it's hard to move if it's. Just sitting on the on the ground, or it could have a base if it's if it was tall enough and wobbly enough. So you might want to make a very heavy base in order to keep it from tipping over. For we don't know. <coughs> we don't know how this was. So we don't know about the big kuna either. We don't even know what some of these bigadim are. Okay, so then there's a discussion. There's discussion of how you how you make it, and then there are a few interesting things, starting Sub tetvav. Vasita choshen mishpat. Choshen mishpat. Now choshen is what we're looking for. We want to know how the khoshen, what the choshen was. But here the choshen is called choshen mishpat. And and what does Mishpat have to do with Choshev? This is not explained to us. But everybody sort of understood Choshev Mishpat. It should be like the Ephod. Now on the back page, on the back of this page, there are two pictures in black and white. This is a very unfortunate thing. And on the top picture, you have three views of the Choshen. This is supplied by the, the, the Mahona mikdash. these pictures. Not by me. I'm not responsible. But these pictures represent, well, what we know about it. That it, it somehow was a kind of a breastplate. And on that breastplate were these... Stones. You see the stones? You see the picture at the bottom? The big picture at the bottom? <coughs> there were stones with the names of the Shvatim on them. And also, you see that the Khoshan could be folded up. You see the left one, left it will be up at the top now. The left picture is, um, is unfolded, like before he puts it on. The Kohen. And then you fold it up and you put it on yourself. And then you put on this plate with the with the names of the tribes on it, and that's the choshen Bishpat Pasuk Zayim ravua yekaful zeret zeret u'mileta And in this choshen, which is sort of like a container, a bag, a pocketbook, I would say. You know, the thing, you know, you see people walking around with this thing around their necks, which has all their money and their passports and, and everything valuable in it right around their neck, so that the crooks can see exactly where they should rip it off and run away. Right, because he doesn't want, he doesn't want the crook to tear his pants pockets. Right. So you, you put it right here where everybody everybody can see it, and then it's safe. <coughs> oh. So that's what the Choshen is like, I mean, I'm not making a comparison, but the Choshen was something like that. And so there are four uh, columns, you see on the back page, one, two, three, four. Right, there are twelve tribes, four columns, three in each, in each column, right, three. And, then, and these stones had names, I don't know any of these names. I only know about diamonds. Diamonds were not one of the things. These are all colored stones. What they are, I haven't got a clue about. But I know that in Shul, Shabbos morning, you go to Shul, you listen to Kriyasa Torah, they read it quickly. You don't have to think about it too much. You know, it comes and it's gone. That's how it is. The name of the famous safer, a commentary on the Arizal, written by Ravel Yashiv's grandfather. Ravel Yashiv, you know, he's an important man, because I, I, I know that because on the radio they call him posek the guys who read the news, they don't know exactly what that means. But they know how to say those two words, posake and dor. But they can't imagine how somebody who's over ninety-five could be the leader of a company. You know, they can't. They can't understand that. But anyway, so you have these 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 things to ashlishi to rve. So then you put the names, and then you have sharot, and. Uh, you put them on in a certain way, etc., <coughs> etc. Et I mean, all of this is pasuk We have no idea why it's called but this is the choshen. The all the names of B'nai Israel, each tribe was his name was etched on one of the stones. is is always a positive thing a memory Those. it doesn 't mean that God uh, uh, would forget the names of the tribes. what it means is that Aaron A Cohen is doing an act of zikaron. It's we who are who are doing the zikaron. In order that we should that Aaron Akoin should remember that he's not going into the Kodesh or the Kodesh Kodashim. Kodesh he's not going into the Beit HaMikdash to disengage from Binay Israel. He's the only one who has these clothes. He's the only one who's allowed to do what he does. He's the only one who goes into, eventually, in Kodesh Kodeshim, on Yom HaKippurim. So you could see that Aaron Akohen could see himself, perhaps, as disengaging from B'nai Yisrael, because he's wearing, he's the only one who has this suit of clothes. Right, you may have noticed that kings and queens, you know, have this kind of special get-up that they wear. Uh, on, on special occasions. Well, they I mean, wear on special occasions, and uh, but no one else can wear those kind of clothes. Right? There's no one else who could wear an ermine cape or something, and, and with that you know, it can't, it's only, it's princely garb doesn't mean that it's very expensive. It means it's unique. Right? It means it's unique. Uh, I mean, the queen in England wears that get-up from time to time. I don't know how she carries it around, but she has to wear it from time to time. And when They open the parliament or something. They do some things. Or when she knights people, you know, by banging them on the shoulder blades with a, uh, with a sword, she has to dress for the occasion. Now, that clothes... Oh, if you go to, uh, to see the crown jewels, for example, there are uh, crowns. Part of the crown jewels are crowns that only the king or the queen, only the king or the queen. So, so that's the Kohen, Lizikaron. Now I just want to say that the, the word Lizikaron is about the Kohen. That even though the Torah directed him to separate himself from everybody else to do the Avodah that he was supposed to do, nevertheless, <laughs> He has to remember everybody else at the same time. That's his job. So he has this conflict of interest, on the one hand, to wear these begadim and differentiate himself, which is what enables him, so to speak, to come to the, to be part of, uh, uh, of the avoda in the Beit HaBidash. He has to be special. He can't be like anybody else. But he has to remember that he is in some way representing everybody else. So the Bigadim that he wears, he has stones on his shoulders which have the names of the tribes, and he has stones on his breast that have the names of the tribes. So this was the method that lizikaron was ensured that the memory that the memory that he is a representative and not that he is a unique, right, which is always the problem of leadership. There's always the problem of leadership, but certainly the, probla, the problem of the Kohen, and he had to have this, he had to do this act of Lizikaron. Now, we're going on. Um, pasuk, uh, let's do Pasuk Kaftet. In other words, this idea is re emphasized, and then the, next, the last Pasuk. And you have to put into the Choshen Mishpat, you have to put in the Urim and the Tumim. But we have no, there is no, not even the Machon HaMikdash knows what the Urim and Tumim were. And if you look at the website, You'll have Urim bitumen, the last thing, Urim bitumen. no picture, nothing. I mean, you, you can look, you don't have to, have to trust me, you can look. So we have these a complicated begadim that the Kohen wears. We've derived one idea, the idea of zikaron. I mean, we understand that we don't know exactly what they look like, We've derived the idea of Zikaron as being to counterbalance uh, the lack of humility that the Kohen Gadol might develop. And you know that in Jewish history, although this may not be relevant, especially in the Jewish system, we know a little bit about, let's say, during the Hasmonean period, from the time of what is called in English the Hasmonean revolt until the destruction of the temple, (laughs) the Kohenah played a very uh, significant role in the power struggles that went on amongst the Jews themselves. So that being in that position was certainly uh, uh, presented the person with difficulty. Right? It was hard to be a big shot because you tend to take liberties. And so the idea of zikaron as as reflected in the demand on the Kohen Gadol makes sense to us it makes a lot of sense but here we have Urim V'tumim and we don't know what the Urim V'tumim are so I just want to learn the Rashi with you and then I'll show you the pictures and then I'll pass them around first the Urim V'tumim you see Rashi Rashi is shema mefarash sheya notno betoch kifle hachoshin kifle is that when you put the choshin on it was, like I said, it was like a, like a, um, like a, like a uh, handbag. It was like, like you could slip something into it. If you see on the back, you see it, it's got the middle and it has these kind of leaves on it. So you fold the whole thing up, you could put something in it. You could certainly put in a piece of paper or a piece of parchment. right? What was on this paper or parchment? Shame HaMitharash. The Gemara says that this is the shame of Ayin Bet Otiyot, seventy-two letters. There was this idea that the true name of God, the true name of God, whatever. I don't even, you know, that's a hard sentence to, to translate. But we have names of God that reflect what God does in the world, like Elohim is a name that that reflects uh, power, and then we have a mysterious name. Yud kei vav kei, And we don't know how to say it. So we say, instead of yud kei vav kei, we say alef Dalad nun yud. That's how we read it. It's for us, almost always, it's always a kri uchtif. Yud kei vav kei. Except sometimes it's read, most of the time it's read alef Dalad nun yud. And sometimes it's read Kim. Right, depending, if you say... Uh, Sometimes the term, if Hashem uh, comes twice, you might read the first one, Aleph Dalet Yud, and the second one, Elohim, but in the Yud-Gibbal Midot, we say Hashem, Hashem, Ke'erach of Aleph Dalet Nun Yud, Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. I hope this was, this was sufficiently unclear. <laughs> but that means that yud k vav if we knew how to say it, we would be saying the real name of God, that the Kohen Gadol knew how to say. He knew that name. And the Gemara says that if we knew that name, we would take a 72 letters to write it out. To write it in a way that could be read properly, that, that name. So according to Rashi, the Urim v'tumim, even though they have two names, there's the word Urim and the word Tumim, it's one thing. And that one thing is Ketav Shema Mthorash. He would, put, he would put it into the... Choshin was like a bag. Right? In other words, you still saw the breastplate with the twelve uh, um, stones on it, but inside was a piece of parchment with the name of God written on it. So, according to Rashi, are two words that describe an action. So, what happens? What the, what does the kohen do? He's meir. He gives light. Not he, but this whole getup that he has gives light. Umitamem et varav, Tzmimut is uh, is without a blemish. In other words, like God's will becomes very clear. So, urim are not two different things. There are two words that describe what was happening. What was happening was that the Kohen had it in his power somehow to achieve clarity, right? That that the answer to questions could be given. Over Mikdashini hayah and he and Rashi points out that in the second Beit Hamikdash, right, the one that was started when the Jews came back to Eretz Yisrael, that when they got permission from Koresh, in Persia, to build, to rebuild the temple, there was a a, khoshen. Because we all know that the halakha is that the Kohen gadol cannot serve mechusar begadim. If he's missing one of the eight items of clothing that are listed here. But in the second temple, this piece of parchment with God's name on it was missing and that so what is Rashi telling you what is Rashi telling us that the Urim V'tumim which according to Rashi was one piece of paper right? even though it has, it's called by two different names that the Urim V'tumim are not part of the big day kuhuna because if they were part of the Kuhuna, the Kohen would not be able to serve in the Beit HaMikdash during the second temple because they didn't have that so Rashi points out that, they, that in the second temple they had a Khoshen and the Khoshen is one of the Bigadim. and since you can't serve in the temple without any of the Bigadim, so that was fine what about the Urim Betumim they didn't have Urim Betumim but it didn't matter because Urim uh, and the are not part of the Big to Kehunan. They're an additional feature somehow. There's something that we had that's still unclear to us, which the Ramban hopefully will clarify. So he says, <speaking in Hebrew> That's why it's called Mishpat. The word Mishpat here doesn't mean justice, but it means the determination. Like you go to the Urim, uh, to the Kohen, and you say, What should I do? Right, you could go on a national level, on an individual level. You say, "What should I do? What should I be?" And the and the answer is forthcoming somehow. That's called mishpat. Mishpat is a determination. It's not an act of justice necessarily, but it's a decision, a determination. At mishpat bnei yisrael, the end of the pasuk. That there's another feature of Madrashagada which is certainly not obvious in the in the Pasuk, that the Hoshen somehow atones for the uh, uh, difficult judgments that were made in the Batei Mishpat, crooked, crooked judgments. Mishpat, Al-Shem So, uh, there we have it. And so there are a lot of mysteries in, this, uh, in these Psukim. And uh, I just uh, to finish this part of the She'ur, I want you to look at the colored pictures. I'll, I have a few copies. This is exactly what I do have. And I'll just pass them around so you can look at them. Uh, here's the Choshen and the... Uh, this is a picture of the plastic Kohen all dressed up. You yeah, pass it this way you can pass it this way and here is a picture of the plastic Kohen um, being illuminated by the uh, by the stones these pictures were all copied from the Mahod Midash website and as I said I haven't got a clue I have not got a clue but I'll tell you this I have a Chumash see this Chumash, this is a Chumash, this is a Chumash in Rashi, nothing too tricky here, but it has pictures of all of these, and this was published before the Mechon Midash and the pictures are more or less exactly the same, except they are not in color, so So, uh, you can make of that what you wish. Now I want to learn the Rambat. I mean, you, what I'm left with, we know that there are a lot of secrets here and mysteries that we don't understand, but uh, I want to get back to the Urim V'tumin. And what possible rationale there may have been for the Urim V'tumin, which is an object according to Rashi, being in the Khoshen that the Cohen Gadol wore when he went When he went to uh, do service in the Beit Haminash, so the Ramban addresses all of these problems, and we're going to try to go through it, at least part of it. The Ramban starts, you see, Savar Rabbi Avraham, Nitzchakein Binyanu Riba Tumim. Now this doesn't matter. The Ibn Ezra, the Ibn Ezra on this topic is worthy of a separate investigation. But according to the Ramban, the Ibn Ezra thought that the Urim v'tumim were things. Were things. And that those things were made from masa, uman keseh zahav. And the Ramban doesn't like that. chashav so he said in those days there were there were different kinds of astrology and uh, people who knew different kinds of things and he associated the Urim with this. And the Ramban summarizes his opinion in the following sentence. The Loamar Amar which is not a compliment. words, the Ramban says, "Okay, in this matter, even though the Ramban had a high opinion of the Ibn Ezra, but there, in this, uh, in this uh, matter, the Ibn Ezra definitely was off. I will Rashi, the Ramban says. Everybody understands that Rashi is right. Now this is also not something that the Ramban always says. Very often the Ramban, you know, disagrees with Rashi. In this case, he disagrees strongly with the Ibn Ezra, but he agrees with Rashi. Katav Shema ma'farash Natun Ben Kifle that a a piece of paper or a parchment with God's name on it, was inserted in between the folds of the choshin. And there you have it. That's why it was made in this odd way, that in order to wear it, you had to fold it up. Right? Because it, crea- it was a container. It was a repository for the urim He says, look, he says, if you look in the Pasha you will see that nowhere does it say that the artisans made urim v'tumim. They made everything else. But they didn't make the urim v'tumim. (coughs) Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. It doesn't say, It doesn't say, they didn't, God, Moshe, didn't command them to do it, and they didn't do it. You can look up these p'sukim. That no one made the Urim This is the Ramban's addition to Rashi. Rashi says it was a ktav, it was a note on which there was God's name of 72 letters. That's what Rashi says. And Rashi says that based on the Gemara. That's how Rashi knows. The Rahman says that the Gemara is reasonable. If you look at the psukim, you'll see that it doesn't say that anybody made the urim, the tumim or even that there was a command to produce the Urim v'tumim. So it must have been something that could have been done by other people as well. he, He says that the Torah wanted the, to tell us that this was an object, that the to were an object, could have said this, it could have said that, etc. Here's the Ramban uh, talking about uh, language, right? Hei Haidia is the he that determines, right? To determine an object. Not Kos, not a cup, but Ha Kos, the cup. In order to say the, the cup, a, a, the is a word of pointing. You have to be able to point at it. Right? The cup on the shelf. But you say, go and get me a cup. That means any cup. It will do. So here the Ramban says, uh, It doesn't use the hey, the Torah it doesn't use the Hey Diana, because we know what it's talking about. There's only one Shulchan there's only one <speaking in> the <language> I'm wrong and you know you know the Israel do this again enable <speaking in the> to <language> nothing to make, there's nothing to do Rak, the Moshe Levado, Shamar, a tata, Mipi So when, Moshe, when the Ramban says Sod Masur Moshe Mipi Hagvura That means The Ramban thought The Ramban was of the opinion That there was a Torah Sheba Alpe Of Nigle And there was a Torah Sheba Alpeh Of Nistar Of what we call Kabbalah So when you say When he says that it's a Sod Masur it means it was part of Kabbalistic knowledge. And that's part of the reason that he's very annoyed with the Ibn Ezra. Because the Ibn Ezra suggests that it was a manipulative thing. Nine magicians did it. Other people did it. And the Rabbi said nobody could do what we could do. He didn't like that. So now listen. when he named Moshe, new next paragraph, Lakach. So he says, How did it happen? First, Moshe Rabbeinu dressed Aaron and all these bigadim, and then he took this piece of paper or this piece of parchment and he put it into the Choshen. It must be. Because there was nothing on the Khoshen except the Avanim. As you see in the pictures that are going around, right? the Avanim or the pictures here, this breastplate this was on the Choshen. And there was nothing else on the Khoshen. So he must have put it in the Choshen, in this, in this pocket that existed there. Okay, so there, there you have it. Basically, to summarize, the rabban agrees with Rashi and he doesn't like the Ibn Ezra. He doesn't like the Ibn Ezra. He pointed out along the way that there's a soul. There's some secret uh, knowledge that has to be adduced in order to understand about the Urim Betunim. But he hasn't stopped there because he continues and says Vayinyan. Vayinyan. Vayinyan means the rabban says I'm going to try to explain to you why there was, why there were, or was, Urim V'tumim. Urim B'tumim are singular, right, according to Rashi. Even though both words are plural in form, and it's A and B, according to Rashi, it's a singular. It is called a Urim B'tumim. Right? It's called a Urim V'tumim. V'nyanum, <laughs> ki yushimot ha'otiyot So according to the Ramban the stones were not there only for zikaron as it says in the pasuk. Remember the stones? We're talking about the stones in the choshen on the breastplate They were not there only for zikaron Zikaron means that the Kohen should remember that he represents the twelve tribes of Israel and that he's not just an independent actor before God so those stones had a capacity and that capacity that they had was mikoham yairu. it was the ya'ir Abne mi avne hachoshen eleyne hakoheina sho'el Mishpatam. So when you put the name of God into this into this pocket in the Khoshen, then something special could happen. And that special thing was when the Kohen asked his question of God, like should we or shouldn't we? We'll see the question in a moment of the questions that were asked. Should we go? Shouldn't we go? do we do it? Don't we do it? Then the Kohen was able to look at these stones. Right? And the stones, the names on the stones would light up. The first name is Reuven. So maybe the Aleph would light up. And then the second name is Shimon. And maybe the Shin would light up. So the Kohen looked at the stones... And he was able to receive a message. And that message implied the answer to the question. question that he asked. So you see, he says, well, Masha'u. He says, when at the beginning of, of Shoftim, we'll get back to this posag in a minute, when Sha'alu. They came to the Cohen and they said, "Nia b'tchila Right? You remember the situation was that in the northern part of Israel, not Yehuda. Right? You remember that Israel is divided into two parts: there's the north and the south. Right? And the middle is Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is the northernmost part of the southern part of Israel. The southern part of Israel is mostly. The tribe of Yehuda. And slept along with the tribe of Yehuda is Binyamin in the north and Shimon in the south. Right, so all the rest of Israel is to the north of all the other tribes are to the north of Yerushalayim. Now the book of Shoftim says that after the conquest of Eretz Israel they were enjoined there was a tzivui that they should get rid of idolatry. And apparently this was done in Yehuda, but not done in the north. And so the book of Shoftim is the book of the northern kingdom that describes the difficulties that resulted from the fact that they did not chase out the idolaters. So they came and they asked, So we have to do this, who's going to go? Whatever. In, in, in other words, they, they, the Kohen looked at the breastplate and the, and the, the letter started lighting up. So he says, Yehuda, and then, Yudmi Levi, and then, and Shimon, and then, the then, and and therefore, what did you get? Yud, Ayin, Lamed, Hey. That's what you got. That's the word, the Hebrew word, Ya'aleh. And what else, what stone was lit up? Yehudah. Right, the stone of Yudah was lit up its entirety. And then these four letters, Yud, Ayin, Lamed, Hey. So everybody knew, Yudah Ya'aleh. That was the answer to the question. And then this is and then what it says in the gemara this famous Gemara and Yuma. <laughs> Oh, right. hate You could change. he had to, had to have some kind of way of figuring out, or something else. Right? The permutations are endless. In other words, the Urim Urim refers to letters being lit up, but that wasn't good enough because. You could read the letters in a variety of ways. How do you know what the answer to the question is? So for that, you need tumim. So again, according to the rabban. The urim the Tumim, the name urim v'tumim, are about a process. First there are urim and then there is tumim. Urim refers to letters lighting up on the breastplate and tumim refers to the capacity that the Kohen had to understand the letters and what the words that were implied by the letters that are lit up, what that means. That's what, that's what, the, Ramban, that's what the Ramban says. Uh-uh. Okay. So the Ramban agrees with Rashi, basically. But the Rashi, but the Ramban also explains how the Urim V'tumim, how the Urim V'tumim worked. Now, let me just remind you that the beginning of the book of Shoftim, I didn't put it on the sheet, but... So Rashi says that the tribes of Israel were concerned after yoshua Benun died they hadn't conquered all of Eretz Yisrael yet. So they said, "Who should do it? Who's going to lead us?" Vayomer Hashem Yehuda Yaaleh, Hinei Natati Et Rashi explained Yehuda Yaaleh, Et Goralo." He'll go first. He will be the first one to conquer whatever is left that has not yet been conquered in the in the portion of Yehuda. After that, Vayome Yehuda, the Shemonachi, Alei iti, Begorali, Venil lachama baknaani, Valach de Gavani, itcha, Begoralecha, Vayelech ito shimon. So Yehuda says to Shimon, Look, come with me, join my army when we fight to conquer my part of Eretz Israel and then I will join with you to conquer your part of Eretz Yisrael. And according to Chazal, according to Chazal, this was determined by the Urim right? that, As we saw in the Ramban, the Urim vitumen said, Yehuda Ya'alen First Yehuda. Now. <laughs> the way I understand it I just wanted to tell you to share an understanding or a way of understanding this with you B'nai Yisrael B'nei Yisrael were directed by Yahushua Binun by Moshe Rabbeinu to conquer and to take ownership of Eretz Kanaan. What eventually was called Eretz Yisrael. That was their charge. And eventually, they would build the Beit HaMikdash, which would turn into a permanent structure, would be a permanent structure. The Meshkan that we are talking about was mobile, it could go from place to place, but the Mikdash would be permanent. There would be a mikdash, the mikdash would be in a place, and that place would never, would never change. <laughs> now this placed a tremendous burden on B'nai Yisrael Because there was no way to ensure that there would be stability in the land or in the nation that was created in Eretz Kenan. And on the one hand, they had to build the Beit HaMikdash. And they had to protect it and make sure that it would exist. And on the other hand, they had no way of knowing if they were deserving of this or if the time had come for a catastrophe. And we know this is true because in history, the catastrophe came upon them. And the, the, the temple was destroyed. As hard as that is to understand. And therefore, HaKadosh Bahu offered B'nai Yisrael uh, HaKadosh Bahu offered B'nai Yisrael this opportunity at certainty in cert- at certain moments. It was if B'nai Yisrael would come to HaKadosh Baruch and say, we are going to do what you wanted us to do. But we have a question. We don't know if Yehuda should lead or if Ephraim should lead. So HaKadosh Baruch said to B'nai Yisrael through the Kohen Gadol that kind of question the kind of question which derives from accepting the obligation that was placed upon B'nai Yisrael that kind of Question deserves and will receive an answer. It's not prophecy. It's not a message, a new message from God. It doesn't tell us something, with some responsibility that the Israel Yisrael were accepted upon themselves as a result of what the Urim V'tumim said. The Neh Yisrael simply came to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and said, look, we're doing it. We want to do what we have to do. But we have a military question. We have a strategic question. We have a question about how we should formulate this matter. How do we get it done? So Kodesh Baruch said, for that, there are urim men." So you see that. As long as... And this is a theme that runs through uh, uh, the words of Chazal. in uh, different levels. But this is a national statement. And that statement is that as long as Am Yisrael is willing to move in the direction that HaKadosh Baruch demanded of them, and here we're talking about, what are we talking about? We're talking about conquering Eretz Yisrael. We're talking about ridding Eretz Yisrael of the idolatrous factions therein. As long as B'nai Yisrael is eager and willing and accepting the obligation to do the right thing, then they can ask a question. They can ask a question about strategy. They can ask a question about the military operation. Me'aleh. Who should go first and conquer that part of of the land? What's the best way to do it? Yehuda Ya'aleh. That's what the Urim Vitumim told Bnei Yisra'el. So the Ramban, who later on goes on and says that the Urim Vitumim are somehow a lower form of prophecy. They're not prophecy, because prophecy can bring a new message from HaKadosh Baruch. can bring messages from HaKadosh Baruch. Here the Avne, the Urim Vitumim, Were able to answer specific questions that were asked by B'nai Yisrael if they were devoted to doing what HaKadosh B'ochu wanted them to do. The Urim V'tumim were not part of the Big Day Kahuna, but it was reasonable that the Kohen Gadol should be authorized to use the Urim V'tumim for the benefit of Klav Yisrael. So that the Kohen gogol did not only have the obligation of zikaron, of remembering that he was part of the nation all year long, but he had the obligation of doing for the nation. Answering the question, after all, is, is the pressing issue that B'nai Yisrael had at the moment, that the Kohen gogol had to turn his attention to answering, to answering that question. So that the big, big kahuna have these two aspects to them. On the one hand, they distinguish the Kohen, Muram Me'am. He's different than everybody else. He's better than everybody else. He's special. But right? there's no one else quite like him in terms of his relationship to kedusha. That's, uh, that's the Kohen gadol. On the other hand, he is directed zikaron. Remember that you're representing a nation, and without that nation you wouldn't be there. You wouldn't exist. And the second thing is urim v'tulim. You become the intermediary that responds to the questions of B'nai Yisrael if they are willing to accept the burden of acting as a HaKadosh who has directed them to act. Have a good Shabbos.